After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Hello, and hopefully you have surviving or surviving or in the midst of getting through Snowmageddon in Canada this week. Welcome to the Hockey Podcast on Sunday. My name is Kevin Olenek. You can follow us on Twitter at podcast underscore hockey and like us on Facebook, the Hockey Podcast. And we will have a full house today. Uh, We have a lot of things to talk about. And of course... Uh, with us uh, in, we'll we'll get the uh, perspective of cold as hell Calgary. Devin, how is cold as hell Calgary? It is cold as hell. Oh. (laughs) It's been been quite a trek over the past uh, week and a half, but um, yeah, uh, finally, tomorrow slash today is warming up, so tomorrow's boat going to be about zero degrees compared to minus 37 wind chill factor so it's uh it'll be a nice change yeah f no to that sean hello how are you i'm good i'm good yeah we're uh we're surviving here in calgary of the uh the freeze and and all that with the extreme cold warning that was basically we we were basically under for i think four or five days so yeah we're looking forward to uh some nice weather here good heidi hello how are you Good, good. Yes, it was so cold here that I got a day off work because a pipe burst in our office. So that is a that, that's a that's an indicator of just a, how cold it is. But I haven't been outside since uh, Friday night, so uh, that's been uh, escaping from it. Fair. Well, hey, if you can hide, then you can hide. Chris, hello. How are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm I'm all right. I'm all right. Uh, and also back, f- taking a break from plowing. Um, Tyler is with us. Hello. Hey guys. You know these last three weeks since I seen you all in Calgary have been somewhat of a nightmare up here. <laughs> I gotta say, uh, winter has uh, arrived with a vengeance. A lot of snow, then in some cold, and now we're back into the snow. But it's nice to get a little break here on a Sunday morning and chat with all of you and catch up on some hockey talk. So, so Tyler, we did get a listener question uh, about your, your about what you've been up to. So, uh, here here's the question: You are fully bonded and licensed by the city, aren't you, Mister Plow? Shut up, boy. Yeah, was that was that? <laughs> <laughs> yes, in fact, there is a little license there for the roto light and the plow. <laughs> so, yeah, so I just a listener asked. It just wanted to make sure it's it's about safety. Um, so, it's been a, a week of uh, arguing. Uh, a week of, like, the Battle of Alberta is safely back. There is uh, uh, billboards, sweaters, T-shirts, uh, suspensions, um, and a bunch of things. 
And, of course, the suspension was for Zach Cassian. He got what I think we expected, two games for his uh, antics against uh, Matthew Kachuk last Saturday. And he spoke to the media, and here is a portion of what he had to say. I think myself, right? If, you, if you're going to hit like that, um, I have to protect myself. And I, I protect my teammates. It's not my fault. A lot of the league doesn't have, have guys like me anymore. But if you're going to run around like that, um, when I'm on a team... It's not going to happen. And, uh, I'll take my two games. I'll get well rested, well recharged, have some good workouts, and I'll be ready to go when I come back. Okay, and then um, we'll hear some other stuff that he said in a little bit. But we haven't heard from Tyler, so I want to give Tyler the first opportunity to kind of let before we'll go back and then we'll kind of get into the week. So what, from a referee's perspective as well, what did you think of how this this all was handled, this Cassian Kachuk situation on the ice uh, before we get to the suspension part? Yeah, I thought the first of the two hits that Cassie didn't like was a bit of a problem. And uh, when you're refereeing and you don't make a call on something that is uh, that has the potential to raise the temperature of the game, uh, it's it's inevitably going to get worse, and that's what we ended up seeing. Cassian felt like he had to take matters into his own hands, took it quite far, and ended up being suspended because of it. Um, you know... There's not a whole lot the referees can do once a player decides to take matters into their own hands, though. What What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, if Cassian's on a mission to go and, you know, get after a guy and rag him, <laughs> I mean, it's going to happen. What are the, you know, I mean, the linesman could try to intercept, but, I mean, if you're a linesman, Kevin, do you want to get in there when Zach Cassian's going 100 miles an hour? <laughs> you know, like, I don't think so. No, no, I would... I would not. Um, so, did you feel the two-game suspension was fair? Um, yeah, because he took it so far, right? The There is the aggressor penalty, and that's what he was suspended for. Uh, it, you know, the, 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 Kachuk is not obligated by the rules to fight back. He's not obligated to answer the bell. That's what Cassian kept talking about. He's like, if you're going to play like that, you got to answer the bell. Well, not technically, no. I mean, the old school hockey thought is, yes, you know, you, you do something dirty, you got to answer the call. Um, so there's a difference of opinion there. I Personally, I'm a little more of the old school. I, I would have liked to see Matthew Kachuk fight, but he's not obligated to do that. And uh, because of that, Cassian, I think, was rightfully suspended for a couple of games. It's not a big suspension, but it is a, a message sender for everyone that you can't just go and take matters into your own hands. Okay, and before we move on to everyone else, the, just to catch, because we didn't get your perspective, what did you think of the comments Cassian made after the game? Well, I think he was just frustrated. I, I mean, it's, I think it's refreshing from a neutral party fan point of view. You know, I'm not a Flames or an Oilers person, so, you know, to listen to that, it's like, oh, there's a, something a little more interesting happened in hockey today. <laughs> you know, over the course of an 82-game regular season times 31 teams, there can be a lot of dull hockey, but it certainly wasn't there last Saturday. Right. Uh, yeah, that's that's very true. It, and it kept Flames fans and Oilers fans amused. And we'll, we'll hear a little bit more from Cassian here about what he had to say. Times, uh, it's more than enough. You play with fire, eventually you're going to get burned and... Uh... He, he messed with the wrong guy, and uh, I don't think he realizes that we're in the same division and uh, have a great memory. So uh, let's talk about the fallout, which included that. Um, 
I guess for from anywhere else, I guess like we kind of expected the two game suspension um, here. But from hearing after, we'll, we'll start. I'll, I'll start with Heidi here first. So hearing because you're the biggest lover, probably it's fair to say you're probably the biggest lover of Matthew Kachuk out of all of us here. Um, after hearing from all of the different perspectives and everybody from the experts, did your opinion change on what happened last Saturday? No, no, I'm I'm still fine with how everything uh, came out. I was fine with how much the suspension was. I could have been any more than that. Um, if anything, like I. It's kind of great that there is that little bit, like, you know, spark this rivalry again. Like I've been saying before, like, it'll just, it, it, like, by Kachuk and Doughty, like, I'll just be Kachuk and Cassian or just the Noah Flames versus Oilers. So, yeah, no, nothing's, nothing's changed. I'm still not happy about Cassian using the word pussy to call to, uh, towards Kachuk. But other than that, that, um, yeah, my opinion hasn't changed. Devin, as a Flame supporter, has what have you thought about what you've heard? It it kind of concerns me a little bit. Um, not in like as as far as uh, Cassian saying that he, he has a good memory and you know basically calling Kachuk an idiot. Uh, without even saying that, but uh, it's I'm more concerned about the fallout of. You know what? He's probably going to be going after another player other than Kachuk, and things might get out of hand uh, uh, after kind of digesting it all throughout the entire week. Um, but uh, other than that, I, I think uh, I, I don't see I, I see a really good game coming up um, against them. So it'll be it'll be really really interesting to see how tight uh, the, the the refs are going to call the game and. Um, yeah, just just, uh, just kind of see how it all pans out. Sean, Chris, what did what did you what do you make of all of this now? I I love it. I think it's great. It 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 adds uh, the two game suspension is what I expected. Um, casting comes back. His first game back is versus the Flames, <laughs> and that's that's going to be fun. Um, I agree with Devin. What the what the interesting part and the worrisome part is what happens in that, in that game on the 29th. Um, but if you list, if you watched, um, uh, uh, the second, the, the first intermission of the, uh, of the late game last night, uh, for hockey night in Canada and we're talking about, uh, the process, what the leagues do to try and mitigate. It's pretty obvious that they, they know that they need to be, be uh, have, a a close eye on that game but the way if you look at going to the Canucks game last night you saw a, a hit from Alex Edler that was very similar to um the one the one one of the hits that uh Kachuk laid on Cassian um it was I think it was cleaner but uh uh you could probably call it bias on that one for me but if you look at that then I, I think Cassian is going to be looking for for some some blood. I think he's going to be looking for 
to make a clean check. Cause I think I, I know they, they probably gave him a very stern talking to and made sure that said, if you do step any toe out of line, you're going to get a much longer suspension. So he's going to, he's going to be looking for, for a big hit, but he's going to be looking for a clean hit. And if he makes a big clean hit on someone, um, all hell could break loose. And as a fan, I think, I think that's going to be fantastic. But as a, uh, if you're if you're a fan of the the Flames or Oilers, that should be something that uh, you should be worried about. Yeah, as a third party uh, to all this, like I appreciate all the drama that is built up from this, but I also echo everyone else's concern as as far as the fallout. That being said, they have announced that Eros is going to be at that game to watch over that. So. I guess uh, maybe Cassian will be cognizant of that because not only has the NHL probably told him to watch himself, but I imagine the Oiler management has as well. So I, I think we might be overhyping this retribution because of all the different factors going into the, this next game. I don't think we're going to get the big dramatic event that everyone's hyping up towards. Yeah, I agree with with Chris on that. I, I generally, uh, the the hype around retribution in these kinds of cases doesn't live up to the hype, but uh, you never know. That's why we watched. Yeah, I can like see it like maybe not with the, I think that game is on Wednesday. That game might not be necessarily the the big one. I think honestly, maybe more game that's going to be on Saturday. Um, like the second game that they play that the one that like, I don't know that we know that there's going to be a ton of people in the stands and there's going to be a lot of people watching on TV. There's a chance that that one's going to have more of the kind of that retribution thing. They'll be, they'll perhaps behave themselves on Wednesday and then all hell might break loose on, uh, on Saturday. Cause it's a back to back and for, and, and it, that creates more of the rivalry and the flames are playing St. Louis the night before. So that's, I think, you know, they can't think ahead too much about that Oiler game. They, I mean, they're playing the Stanley Cup champions before that. If you're thinking ahead against the St. Louis Blues, <clears throat> the Stanley Cup champions, I don't know what... There's more problems in that organization that than I can imagine. Uh, but to me, I think... I, 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 the other thing that I don't... Yeah, I, I'm kind of with Chris, and then I don't I agree with you. I don't think that the Wednesday game is going to be so much of the hype uh, or that big fist to cuff too much I think definitely especially with the standings being where they are you would think that discipline would be the the discretion of value here uh but and I also I, I think it was Chris I, I I'm wondering what Oilers management did say to Zach Cassian I mean there's been so much made about what the we'll talk about Kachuk here I guess in a, in a second what flames the flames responded but like what kind of frustrated me this week from the Oilers' perspective was 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 guys like Leon Draisaitl said was asked if Matthew Kachuk was on your line, would you play with him? No, I would sit out. It's sort of just just kind of this. I mean, it's fun, and I do sometimes like fun. Not every day. I mean, there was something that happened fun yesterday, and I smiled. So you know, sometimes I can like fun, but it just felt to me like. It it feels it still feels to me like Matthew Kachuk is living rent-free, and possibly with a Zach Cassian extension, he could probably buy a really good property in Edmonton Oilers' heads. But So I 
I'm wondering what Oilers management secretly, what we don't know, said to Zach Cassian about you re you actually do legitimately need to quit. Because this is a game the I think the Oilers need to win more than the Flames on Wednesday. That's I the the game, the 29th, I would say, is a more of a must-win game for the Oilers and the Flames. So I think you need Cassian to be as disciplined as he can be. Why is it more of a must-win for the for the Oilers and the Flames, Kev? Uh, because they haven't beat the Flames this year. The Flames have won. In all terms of the standings, though, it's the Flames. I think need to. Well, no, no. In terms of standings, <laughs> <laughs> we're tied. Yeah, <laughs> we're all tied here. You know. Actually, tied I think the entire NHL is tied, so it's nice, isn't it? <laughs> but in terms um, of getting, getting confidence, I think I think the Oilers need to get a win here sooner rather than later over the Flames. Then, yeah, I think that uh, I think you're right, Kevin, in the sense that you think that Calgary probably is projected higher in the standings at the end of the season than the Oilers because the Oilers just don't have the depth and uh, their their goalie their goalie situation is such hit and miss that you, you never know what you're going to get every single night. So I think that's what you're trying to get at with that. Um, yeah. And I, I definitely agree. So, yeah, and I guess from the Flames perspective, there were some that felt um, uh, that, you know, the team. Do you think that the team defended Matthew Kachuk enough publicly? I don't think Matthew Kachuk needs to be defended by his team. He does that himself. He doesn't need other players to do that for him. He rolls up into his turtle shell and protects himself. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he wants uh, others to be coming, you know, to his defense. I think he's fine with managing it on his own. How he manages it. No, I think the Flames did fine um, in terms of because yeah, I don't think Kachuk is, is is going to back away at least in the media from from all that and and as I said, and, and go, like going back to the, uh, your point, Kev, on what the Edmonton management said to Cassian, I really don't think they said too much other than just pick your pick the spot correctly. Because he, he is going to get his, he is going to try and get his retribution, whether it is on the 29th or the first. Um, but he needs to pick it correctly, and, and if he can make a big hit on Kachuk or anyone else, um, it's got to be clean. Otherwise, he's going to be out for a long time. So I really do think that uh, what they said to to Cassian isn't isn't going to be as as harsh or. Um, as, as big a statement as, as I think you were, you you would hope that I personally would hope. Yeah, okay. I think based off of what you were saying, I think I think there's a lot, or you and, and others, but uh, I do think that I don't I don't think that um, they were going to be they, they were going to try and uh, rein him in too much. Just make sure that he knows that um, there is a line. If he crosses it, he is toast. But the, I guess this is where I, I my question is, is I don't know if Zach Cassian knows that line. Like that, that, like, I don't think that Zach Cassian is a guy that, like, 
I think part of his charm is is he he thre- like Matthew Kachuk he threads the line, but the weakness with Zach Cassian is I don't think he knows I don't think he's disciplined enough to hold back. And if, if I'm Matthew Kachuk, I try to rile him up on Wednesday. I have no problem trying to rile him up because I have a feeling he's going to make complete do a stupid thing. Well, I guess it comes down to whether Cassian is willing to uh, sit out another week or two just to make a point. You know, like if he, if he thinks that that he's a um, um, looking good to his teammates by doing that, then then I suppose. But I mean, they, the Oilers need him to be playing. They they, they they can't have him out. They can't they can't have dumb penalties. I mean, everything's so tight right now. I think there's also another perspective here of, you know, if nothing happens on Wednesday, if he doesn't have the spot to do it, you know, I, I just feel like he is such a nutcase that he'd be just, you know, everything, it all just build up, you know, he's like, oh, I need to do this. All of a sudden, like, it's a third period of the second game and, you know, nothing's happened. You know, he's probably going to go doing some, do something stupid. Um, and you, you, you would hope that, the management in Edmonton would try and deter that. And maybe they're trying to deter that with, you know, the uh, potential contract extension that they were talking about um, on uh, Hockey Night in Canada last night. Uh, maybe that has an aspect to it as well, being like, hey, listen, like you need to calm it down a little bit. We we want to extend you, but if you're going to do something stupid, you know, that might be, you know, a, a carrot dangling at a at the end of the rope kind of thing in front of them. Um, uh, so I don't know. I, I just I just think that he, I just think that he's too tightly wound and can snap at any moment, kind of thing. And I, like like I said, if nothing happens, uh, you know, first game, then the second game, I feel like it's just going to be amplified that much more. Yeah, I echo both what Devin and Kevin said in the sense that I don't really have the faith that Cassian has the discipline he might know where the line is but i don't think he has the discipline to control himself if he sees an opportunity to jump on and uh yeah if i was matthew kachuk i would definitely be aggravating him as per normal because if he's going to make an idiot out of himself and potentially his team why not try and help that happen but matthew kachuk could like also just piss cassie on off just as much by like not doing anything like just not retaliating too well the the thing with with Cassian is he's he's got a sh- he, when his fuse blows, we saw what happened, right? So, uh, I what you guys are saying is true. Uh, he, he 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 is a bit of a loose cannon in that aspect, but he's not going to go out of his way like in the middle of a, a and just go after after someone, uh, say like Kevin LeBanc did with uh, Alex. At the tight tail. He's gonna he's gonna he's gonna try and pick his spot. And it's gonna but if if Matthew Kachuk can get under his skin, that's when that's when things can get uh, or can get hairy and will get hairy. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I think is going to be be interesting from that perspective. Um I, I guess the other thing was I think that the I don't want to is it fair to say that Matthew Kachuk dealt with some attacks on social media? Like I, I know he doesn't. He he really doesn't care, and he probably he, he relishes booze as as the people in Toronto pointed out. Um, but like, 
it did, was it me or did did this go did this be Twitter and go too far? No, I don't. I think honestly, like the reaction that the Oilers fans showed to it was exactly on brand for Oilers fans. Um, for them oh. to just kind of you know be. I don't know, like jerks on social media about it and like start like physically trolling anybody who is after who is talking and talking about it. Like Kachuk, like personally, I'm sure he doesn't care um, about any of that stuff. Um, And even like, uh, and I think some like a lot of us Flames fans know that like, again, like what I said, like this is how the Oilers fans are going to react. I'm not that up like i'm not that upset about it i just let them just you know be angry yeah i didn't see anything that really went over the board but i didn't actually search it out to look for it because it's probably there um but you get that with every every time there's something some sort of disagreement on on social media these days there's one two dozen small minority of idiots out there that they're going to try and and troll and 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 take it too far so in 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 from what i saw um i didn't see anything that was over the line i agree i didn't see anything beyond the pale either uh if anything i just saw salty oilers fans being salty oilers fans and obnoxious flames fans being obnoxious flames fans so it's kind of all par for the course in my opinion but the one thing I want to point out is out of all this controversy that has happened, at least some good has come of it with the the billboard campaign for Kachuk in Edmonton and also the Oilers fans in response actually uh, uh, donating to a Calgary charity for getting kids lunches. And then CJ92 hopped onto the billboard campaign and then added an ALS uh society donation on top of that and then even brett wilson on top of all that jumped in and donated both so i thought there was a good that kind of came from all this yeah that is an impressive recap chris just put together there hey yeah that was, that was nice <laughs> I mean, <that's> <laughs> no, uh, that, that that was that was good and you know that that was great and I, one of my favorite things was with the other fans were we're chirping at CJ. It's, I can't believe that you would put a billboard up and like, and it's like it's for charity, you idiot. <laughs> it's like not only that, not but JD is an Oilers fan living in Calgary. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like yeah, exactly. Yeah, like I think I think it was like done. That like I did see some of that too, where people are like, oh, "Okay, like." Yeah, you're paying for the billboards, but why didn't you take the money that you that you had for the billboards and still donate it to ALS? And it's like, I'm sure these billboards are actually not costing CJ that much either, to be honest. Like, it's an advertisement for their business. It says CJ all over it. So, um, yeah, like it's just that, money that's that, already allocated in their that in was their marketing budget. Silly, but yes, like of course, yeah, exactly, exactly. And it, the, I, the other thing that was so humorous about that is is there was the turtle shirt that I can't remember the organization that was bringing out was that was bringing ten percent that was donating ten percent of their uh, of their proceeds to the Australian 
uh, fires. And of course, that went very well over social media. So, like, you're going to call out CJ for what they're doing, and you're as and you guys are going to ignore the turtle shirt, not really helping out any charity. Like, it was that was head scratching to me. But anyway, but yet humorous. I think it was Oilers Nation. I think. Yeah. 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 That and um, doing any, any sort of clothing. Um, is especially when you're trying to put it towards cli- like anything with climate change and all that is actually worse. So uh, I sort of laughed at that. Yeah. yeah. It, it was quite, yes, it was quite fascinating. Um, let's quickly get into uh, some other quick flames news and then I'm going to have a hot take that is going to uh, blend the flames and connects together. Um, David Riddich. Uh, is now no longer, we can still call him Big Save Dave if we want, but we can all still call him All-Star Dave, as he was named to the All-Star game. And I think on Thursday it was fair to say, sorry Devin, that he played the game of his career against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, If not for him, that probably would have, this road trip would have been a worse of a disaster for the Calgary Flames. Uh, Would it not have been for, for that? Um quick thoughts on that oh my god he played out of his mind i've i don't think i've ever seen that many 10 bell saves within a game before um maybe dating back to uh dominic Kasich. like holy he was unbelievable i'm super excited for the guy to make that he made um uh the all-star all-star game and it's it's funny because I think everybody in Calgary knows his personality, knows that he's a bit of a goofball, and uh, you see his personality every once in a while uh, during interviews. And I, I'm I'm excited for the league to see how a how good of a guy he is, and just just uh, how funny he can be um, overall. And I, I am happy to see him kind of back in, uh, other than the last game. The last game against uh, Ottawa was a. I, I stopped watching after the second period because it was we were out shooting Ottawa and they were still uh, winning with uh, three goals on nine shots or something ridiculous like that. And the goals were ridiculous. But other than that game, um, which I think is a one-off, I'm happy to see him back to uh, uh, back playing the way that he can play. Hi. I think he's yeah, uh, yeah, give it a shout oh. I was just going to say, I think he's very deserving. Um, uh, you know, it's... it's it's fun to see him there. He, he seems like a bit of a personality, and he's got the moniker Big Save Dave, so it'll be, be fun to have him there at the All-Star Game for sure. Yeah. Heidi? Yeah, I was just going to say, too, like, um, I, I got to give praise to Frederick Anderson, though, for that game on Thursday, because he, he, it was like it was just like a duel of goaltenders that entire, that entire game, so... Um, but yes, no. I of course I'm very excited that uh, that Dave's going to uh, is going to the All Star Game with his best friend Matthew Kachuk. So that'll be that'll be two uh, two personalities that'll be I think will uh, will be I think will be good for the uh, uh, like just for the game in general. I hope that I, I'm really hoping that they just mic up Riddick the entire time. Like while he's like like while he's making saves, all that stuff. Like that's what I'm kind of hoping is what happens because he has some good, he has some good like one liners and stuff that will just yeah people will be amused by. He's a he's a very funny guy, for sure, for sure. 
What do you, what did you? Who would have thought that both Kovic and the Canucks and Flames would be uh, in the All Star game? Yeah, that's very true. Very true, especially coming into the year. Like, um, yeah, because there were questions for sure about Riddich, Markstrom. I, I mean, I think it would have been fair to say that there, there if. The, if we had to put odds on which goalie would have had a better chance to get the All-Star game, I probably would have picked Markstrom. I think that that would have been fair, but yeah, for sure. Yeah. But, you know, but I, I think Markstrom is, I mean, we'll have to bring back, um, crap, I forgot his name. What's his name, Sean? I have no idea who you're talking about. Stats guy. Pardon? The, the stats guy. Um, anyway, that oh, um, Sean Tierney. Sean, yeah, sorry, my I'm still drinking coffee. It's it's ten thirty as we're recording this. I know, um, <laughs> uh, but we'll have to bring it back, Sean Tierney, because I think just sorry, sorry, Heidi, quick tangent. Um, Mark, I think Markstrom has been better this year than last year, and I know that he wasn't a fan if you looked at the underlying stats, but. He's seen, I think he's been better this year than last year. Like, the eye test is telling me something different. And yeah, just quick quick add on that. Uh, um, if you haven't listened to that episode, please go listen to it. It's it's fantastic. Um, and it's just, it, again, it, with goalie with goalie analytics, it's we're still in the infancy of it, and things are are changing big time. And I think once we get more access, once we get access to the uh, the puck tracking, we'll we'll see we'll we'll be able to see um, a better a better idea of of what goalies are, are doing what. Okay. Right. Yeah, that's that's very true. Okay, so I, I'm going to have a little bit of a hot take. I don't know if people are going, but I'm going to blend this in. Uh, here with the Flames and the Canucks. Um, I understand the standings. I understand the Canucks are one point ahead of everyone else in the Pacific. And basically, we're, we're living now in a league where everyone is tied for a p- second place, really, in the league. Other, There's like three teams ahead of everybody else. So like, let's say fifth. Between fifth and 20th, it's pretty much a log jam in the overall standings. Um, but I am... My hot take is, is I think the Canucks are the best team in the Pacific Division. And I certainly feel right now they are the stronger of the three teams between them, the Flames, and the Oilers. I have some Flame stats to back back me up on this, which are mind-boggling that the Flames are actually in the race when you actually look at these. This is from Darren Haynes on Twitter. Uh, Bennett, one point. Uh, a goal in the last 16 games. Dubé, one goal in the last 15 games. Giordano, one goal in the last 31 games. Jankowski, who finally scored his first goal of the year against Ottawa, two points in 39 games. Lucic, two points in 16 games. Mangiapane, zero points in the last nine games. Reeder, zero points in the last nine games. Kachuk, zero goals in the last nine games. Uh, since Mangiapane, Reeder, and Kachuk did not score, that's going to be zero goals in 10 games. Um... The Oilers, I mean, they're starting to get a little bit of depth scoring, but it's still McDavid and Dreisaitl with a little bit of a spice of Nugent and, and Neal, uh, Nugent Hopkins and Neal. The Canucks up and down the lineup have seemed to have found depth, secondary scoring, um, consistent goaltending for both from both guys. Not that Talbot has been inconsistent, uh, but 
to me right now, I think that unless someone can tell me different, I see the Canucks as the best team in the Pacific Division. And are worthy of their first uh, uh, finish. I, I I would say that's a, a pretty decently hot take there, Kev, because I think it's a lot tighter than anyone would would have thought. Um, but if you look at the one stat I always like to look at as a, a bit of a barometer of how good teams are is goal differential. And Canucks are plus 13 in, in goal differential, and no one's there, no one's even close. The closest is, is uh, Arizona at plus eight. Uh, Vegas is plus three. Edmonton's plus two. And Calgary is minus 12. <laughs> but um, it's going to be tight. Uh, with another three-point games, um, the amount of games between, there's still a lot of games within the division. Um, it's going to be very tight. And, and I'm, I, I'm still predicting that all, all five of those teams make the make the playoffs i think they're we're gonna get the top three and then you're gonna get the uh the both wild cards are gonna go to the pacific um but it could it could go any anyway um i hope you're right <laughs> and the Canucks are can can pull out a division a division win here um but it's still early and um still lots of lots lots to lots to happen Okay, for me, um, I'm going to go completely uh, the opposite of what Sean said in the sense of, and I know, ready for this, according to like the, the, as much Canucks games as I've been watching, which has been more, um, like through like the kind of the eye test, because I'm not the stats person at all, I actually think that the Canucks actually look better than the Flames do most of the time when they're actually playing, so... It, uh, if the Canucks finish first in the Pacific, then that's not going to surprise me that much. But I think it's going to be it's going to go right down to the wire. We're going to have those those games that like you know the last game of the season to to determine um, like where people finish for playoffs and stuff. So it'll be uh, it'll be exciting. I definitely yeah, hear that from Heidi. That's for damn sure. Yeah. yeah. I also wanted to add on. Yes, I I also wanted to add on to Sean's point about goal differential. Canucks are still a plus thirteen despite the lopsided blowout losses in Florida last week. Yeah, it's true. That's very true. Yeah, Kevin, to your point of consistency there, I think that's, you know, Chris mentions a couple of losses to Florida. What's been encouraging for me with the Canucks is that if they have lost a game or two and haven't looked very good in the process they've bounced right back so um that's what you want to see at this point because it's so tight you can't afford a losing streak you know one or two games okay you lose you got to bounce back and come up with some wins right away and they've been doing that lately so um that's encouraging you know it's always the old knock on wood thing and and injuries and and all of that but uh, uh the canucks seem to be I think of the three teams, uh, the most balanced in terms of contributions. Uh, I don't think they're as reliant on one or two players as, as uh, I mean, certainly the Oilers, but uh, probably the Flames to an extent as well. Um, I hope you're right. I hope you, I hope that uh, your prediction, and you're pretty good on the predictions, Kevin, we've noticed over over time here working with you, but um you know, we'll we'll see. It's going to be right down to game eighty-two to decide who finishes where um, in this playoff chase. 
Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I don't think it's that hot of a take. Um, at the beginning of the year, I think if you if you said that, it would have been a very very hot take. But uh, I don't know. With Calgary, it just doesn't seem like they are. They're, they're the team of last year. Uh, Gio, he's had very similar shots uh, to this point of the year as he did last year. Um, not in you know as you as you stated before, not nearly uh, where his points have been. And uh, I don't know. So like, it just seems like. Goudreau, there's something going on with Goudreau to that 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 is not not good, and he's 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 usually the engine of of the Calgary Flames, and you know he hasn't been. So it's 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 been really interesting to see him kind of go hot and cold uh, so frequently this season, because usually he's either on or he's completely off. But it just doesn't seem like uh, he's quite there. So. Uh, as far as the Canucks go, I've I haven't watched too many games uh, recently to have a, a massive opinion on if they're you know playing well or not. But it's uh, it, obviously in the standings, everything's everything's tight knit. And uh, when it comes down to April fourth, I believe is the last game. Um, it, if if it's this close, man, get your popcorn ready because it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch. To, to go, yeah, to go to the Flames here just for a quick second. Um, I guess I think part of the problem is is I don't know what's going to happen. Like you, you get the game Saturday and then you pull a dud off on mon- Monday, and then you get the game in Toronto and then you pull off the dud in Ottawa. And yeah, okay, they got forty shots on goal, but was there anything really spectacular that um, that hold that that? Like, was there, like, a play that was like, oh, my gosh, that, like, I cannot ma- believe he made that save? Not really. Um, there was some talk about the monahan Goudreau back one line on, on Twitter. Um, and I can see why people are a little bit frustrated on it. I'll get to that in a second. But it, there, it, there's, there's either Johnny is hurt, Johnny's going through a mental health issue, or Johnny Goudreau has asked for a trade. Like it just, he just does. He has not been engaged at all this year. The only time that I remember him having any sort of spark of life is when he played that shift with that a couple of games when he was with Ryan and Lucic. But other than that, when he's been with Monahan, they look lost together. Like they, I think you could put Alex Ovechkin with Monahan and Gaudreau, and they still would be lost. Like I don't, I don't understand what's happening there. Now there's some heat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I I don't I don't know what what's going on, but I, it definitely feels like they need someone to drag them into the into the, the battle. Um, that's what I like about the Canucks lines that uh, Travis Green is deploying uh, of late. Each line has someone who can drag them in, drag that line into the, the battle. Um, uh, the top, the top line has T. Miller and and Vertanen at times. Then um, you've got the Horvat line. Um, Pearson and Horvat both play very hard physical games. Um, then you've got the third line of Gaudette, uh Roussel and out Brock Besser and Roussel will drag anyone into the fight <laughs> kicking and screaming no matter what you <laughs> what you want to do um so I, I do think that that's something that uh the Canucks definitely have over over the Flames and say even over the Oilers and and the 
the Coyotes and and the and the Knights is I think they've got a little more fight in them right now. Yeah. Going back to the Flames though, it's like you, you're you're professional friggin' hockey players. You don't need to be dragged into the frickin' battle. Like it's it's ridiculous. I understand, you know, you have those you have those people that drive the line. You have those people that you know are, are able to push the pace of the game and. Uh, but being dragged in, God, it's like you're being you're being paid to, you know, play friggin' hockey, play hockey, play the way you got to play. Like there's there's definitely something going on with Johnny. Um, I, I I mean I'm speculating, but I, I think it's mental health. I don't I don't think he asked for a trade. I think he can see the potential here in Calgary and see where we can go because we have good young players coming up. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, it's just it. It, it's it's frustrating to watch because you know how well they can play. You've seen Monahan score thirty every single year. Uh, you've seen Johnny Goudreau uh, be a top ten scorer in the league, and they're they're not showing it now. And those are your top players. Your top players need to play the best. That is why they're getting paid the most. And when they're not doing that, you notice it, and it's frustrating because you know they can do so much better. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it just comes down to confidence. You know, I, 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 we've seen, I think, over the years with, with Johnny Gaudreau in particular, he really shows the body language. And when he's not confident, you can you can see it. And he's not very effective when he's lacking confidence. Yeah, I, I agree with you there, Tyler. I, I do think it's more confidence than anything else. I think any, um, I don't think he's asked for a trade. I don't think he's injured. I just think it's a confidence thing. And um, I do think that once he gets that confidence back, the the Flames should be are going to be a lot better of a, a, a team. But the other thing is, everyone had a had a career year last year for the Flames, and you can't have that year after year after year, especially when you're um, you've got a bit some older some older players like Geo on the team. So uh, I do think they made it. I think True Living made a mistake. Uh, sort of standing pat more than anything else this off season, um, and and not trying to tinker with that uh, that uh, team and bring in some new some new blood to try and and, and keep the keep that uh, that uh, just the, the freshness of that roster that that it was last year. Yeah, no, and I did I try to make agree the trade. You know. there, there's definitely um, there's. I, I don't think that there he's asked for a trade at all. I think he likes playing in Calgary and everything. It's just yeah, it seems to and I don't think it's an injury either. I think it's something confidence, something going on in his brain. Who knows what it could be? We're all the hockey players are human, so they have the same kind of you know regular issues of as anybody else who doesn't play hockey. So tough to say, but. Yeah, the, I think there definitely needs to be um, there. Might need to be like a shakeup on that line of with him and Monahan and Backlund because that's not working. That's not working anymore. Go ahead, Devin. Uh, I was just saying that you know, Tree Living tried to make a trade. He tried to make a big splash by getting Kadri, and that trade didn't. That trade fell through, and that I think that type of move would have been amazing for us. But I mean, that didn't happen, um, and. I I think there's a lot of 
unrest with that as well. You know, if you if you look at the the year that they've had, they've had a coach, uh, the coaching issue with uh, Bill Peters. Um, they've had TJ Brody go down. Um, and you had a couple of offseason moves that didn't go through that were, went public. And, you know, you can see Jankowski, he, he's a better player than what he's showing right now. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I I don't I don't I don't agree with that uh, that take that Sean made, and that's that's the only thing I wanted to say. <laughs> but well, I I, I thought that I, I kind of agreed. With, I agreed with Sean in the off season. I thought the Flames, yes, the the Kadri trade fell through, and Kadri did uh, executed his no trade clause. Um, but there there were probably some other options out there that that didn't work, and it felt like a little bit of a Stan Paddish offseason for tree living and i think he's he's going to try to make a move i i wouldn't be surprised if this some point this week there's a move uh but you look at a guy like elias lindholm like he has blossomed like not only is he i think i think it's i think we can confirm he's a center on this on the flames but he's blossomed away from monahan and goodrow he just seems like a player with more life he's more engaged he's more energized um, when Backlund plays without Monaghan and Goodrow, he seems to be more effective. But with this Monaghan, Goodrow, Backlund line, Backlund seems to be mired in quicksand. Now, part of that is I think I don't think Backlund is as effective as he used to be, and I might get in trouble with some Flames fans for saying this, but I think he might be our he might be the Flames' fourth line center now. I'll take a duck, but. Um, I think he's certainly, yeah, I think the Flames' fourth best center. and I think, But it just feels to me with Monaghan and Gaudreau specifically, they're, they're dragging people out of the play as opposed to dragging people into the play, where as Sean is talking about with the Canucks, they have someone that's willing to engage, you know. Even Brandon Sutter is willing to engage, right? Like, there's not a line on the Canucks that's not willing to engage. Yeah, and, I, and and that's what's going to separate the the teams coming down the stretch is is who's willing to fight through it all and 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 find a way. And the way the Flames are playing, you you you, you kind of wonder whether or not they have that. Um, but with the Canucks, you know that they're gonna they're they're at least going to battle through it, whether or not the whether or not they they can uh, find a way to to be successful i i i what from what i've watched this season i i quite like the battle uh that the canucks have yeah yeah which i guess now speaking of moves uh especially sorry devin morgan riley going down dougie hamilton going down for long-term injuries and i know we were in a very tight place here um in terms of standings but for the flames and canucks is this an opportunity for both of them to make a move to improve their forward depths, which some here, like I do think for Vancouver, uh, I still think defense is a bit more of a priority than forward. Uh, but you know, that doesn't hurt to improve the forward situation. If, if there's an opportunity, is now the time to strike, or do you wait a little bit, but closer to the trade deadline? I think now's the time to strike. I. I truly believe that when the trade deadline is, is it 
it, it's hard for a player to jump into a new team and have that short of time to, you know, get their get their personal life together, um, get uh, get you know familiar with the city, get familiar with uh, your your line mates, your teammates, the structure of uh, of the new team. Um, I, I think moving Taylor Hall when uh, New Jersey did, I think that or I, I guess when Arizona required Taylor uh, acquired Taylor Hall. I think that was a perfect timing um, for them to be like, okay, well, we're, we're legit contenders right now. And, um, you know, the, it gives Taylor Hall the time to to get uh, integrated into the new his new team. And so as far as getting getting moves on uh, underway here uh, before the trade deadline, um, I, I'd say sooner is better for sure, especially with, like you said, um, Hamilton going down with a broken leg. Uh, Riley's out for six to eight weeks. And the, the, those are, those are top line players that are, you know, you need to, you need to subsidize through a trade or, you know, give, give uh, somebody else an opportunity like a Sandine, like a Lilligren who played last night, by the way, love those two together. Um, I thought they played amazing last night, um, but aside from that, I think yeah, you need to you need to start um, you know uh, calling uh, GMs need to start calling other teams and uh, getting that ball rolling because uh, the longer you wait, I don't I just don't see um, looking looking back at the last couple trade deadlines, um, you know you don't you don't see as big of acquisitions or you don't see big acquisitions made that make a big difference in your. NHL or in the uh, Stanley Cup run, so now now's the time to go. Yeah, but uh, the one thing is, is uh, I think Sheldon Keith said that they they aren't looking to to make and uh, make any big big desperate moves to replace uh, Morgan Riley on on the blue line, and and as as big of a, a loss as Dougie Hamilton is to Carolina, they their depth on on the blue line is pretty pretty deep. So, and they still have basically an arguably an argue, arguably a number one defenseman in, in, in uh, Jakob Slavin uh, to replace him, and as well as uh, one of their offseason acquisitions this past year in Jake Gardner. So, I I don't think both I don't think either of those teams are in any rush to to make a, a move to to bring in another defenseman. So, yes, the time is time is now to strike, but uh, I don't think there is anyone trying to make a panic move right now. I think it's a great point that that Devin brings up as far as, you know, giving a a player changing teams time to integrate into the new surroundings. But, you know, for a team like Toronto, for example, that are currently on the outside of the playoff picture looking in, still another month here before the trade deadline. I mean, if they go on a further slide, they they would be looking to sell at the deadline as opposed to adding i know it's crazy that we're we're suggesting that but uh to some extent but that that's the thing right like that's why teams often wait till the trade deadline to know what really what kind of position they're in whether they're they're buying or selling and i, I think for the lease right now they're not sure yeah uh the other thing with the Leafs is they need to find a, a consistent backup and uh i know that the the rumors uh, uh, the juicy rumor right now is uh, they're after uh, Gorgiev out of uh, out of uh, New York, but uh, apparently the, the the price is quite high for him. And I think what was the rumor is like, that they might have to give up a Kapanen or a, a, a Andreas Janssen. So I think that that price is way too high right yeah, now. That, but that's not on the table at all. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
Um, no, it's going to be very interesting, uh, especially because it, it's 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 still really tight with uh, in the East as well because the the Rockies dropped out because of one one loss. So we'll go right in. See, the thing though is that you need depth defense going into the playoffs. I you know there's so many injuries that could happen in the playoffs, and having um, you know I'd say probably eight defensemen ready to go at any given moment um, to play in your top six or to play yeah you play in your uh, play on an NHL team uh, in the playoffs. You do need that. So. Um, those are very significant injuries and even coming out of uh coming off a big injury uh like um a riley um riley's injury he, he's not going to be himself and he hasn't been himself this year is the other thing too right and um especially with the depth that we do have on defense or that the leafs have on defense uh they i think they should look at more defense than uh getting a backup goalie now was saying that yes you know you have Hutchinson who isn't really proven to be a good backup but um the one thing that Babcock did have uh was a good defensive structure um or a better one than Sheldon Keith had or Keith has uh has shown um since he's taken over the team so I think if he has if anything you know they need to get a a good defensive defenseman um top top four and I think then if you if that player has term, I can't think of anybody right now, but if that player has term, then you know you you feel a little bit more comfortable giving up a captain or something. Like um I don't know, I'm just gonna toss a name. I d I don't I think it's gonna be hard to get him out, but a Mark Edward Vlasic. I haven't looked at his cap hit. Yeah, he still he still has a lot of term and I believe his cap hit is north of six. Um, yeah, it's, it, it'll be, it, I don't know about a plastic, but yeah, you know, a similar defenseman like that, that has a, a smaller cap it. I mean, everybody's going to be looking for that. That's the thing is that they're, they're diamonds on the rough, right? It's yeah. a, and they're, they'll come out of a hefty price as a, you know, a good, a good player or a draft pick. So it, it'll be kind of hard. Yeah. Um, Vlasic's got seven years left, a no move clause and he's his cap hit is seven million yeah okay so no not him yeah and he's 32 years old (laughs) san jose is in trouble for years r.i.p sharks playoffs for a while wow but not that i you know like this not you know but just classic but you know um yeah um carlton (laughs) burnham Yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing in Canucks land was um, there was a, an unusual cheer in Rogers Place the last couple of nights this week. It sounded a little bit like like this. You truly are the king of Are you saying Boo-Earns? I was saying Boo-Earns. Yes, the cheer of Lou-Earns is going in Roger's place. 
there was even a meme. Rogers where, Arena, Kevin, get it right. What's that? What? Sorry? Rogers Arena. Oh, that's, Rogers. that's a fine. That, that we got, get a that's fine. $5 in the swear jar. <laughs> okay, basically. fine. I, Rogers <laughs> Arena. Why do I call it Rod? What did I call it? You called it the end Rogers of the Oh, for the love of God. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Rogers <laughs> Arena. <laughs> Rogers Arena. I'm writing this down. Um, you, you better make that coffee stronger next time we do this, clearly, okay, Kevin? Take the Baileys off of it or something like that. <laughs> There's too many things with Rogers. It's, you know, like Rogers Arena, Rogers Place, Rogers Center, Rogers this. Anyway, Rogers Arena. Rogers okay, Yes. Um, is Louie getting some respect He's, uh, it, it's just that it's at the point where Canucks fans are just like, just happy anytime he actually produces and, and contributes. So he's getting the cheers for that at this point. Let me ask you but that being said, Go ahead. that being said, uh, his, what he's, the, the role he's playing on that, uh, Bo Horvat line is, is quite, quite important actually um what they've done is they've made him more of a the transition uh, player which is allowing both Bo Horvat and Tanner Pearson to play with a little more speed and create more offense um especially now that they've got um that uh, Brandon Sutter back um and that fourth line has become a, a lot more of a, a sh- more of a defensive a grinded out line um, they don't have to hard match Bo Horvat as much anymore, so um, it's 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 really created uh, a little more space and and uh, speed for uh, Bo Horvat to operate with uh, when uh, when he's got the puck. I would say the fact that they've been able to to make Louis Erickson more useful. It may may be just the thing that saved their season here. <laughs> I mean, look at the lineup as it looks now. I mean, everything just falls into place nicely, and it's balanced. And you know, nobody's demanding that twenty one be a scratch or buried in the minors. I mean, we've come a long way since the beginning of the season in that regard. Yeah, it's uh, as I was saying earlier. It's just it, it seems like the, the what the lines that the Canucks have right now is it's just it's the right mix and they seem to be all work all of them seem to be working and understanding what their role is uh you got the the Patterson line whether it's the law the line or you throw up Jake Vertanen who's been a, a another player who's really stepped up in the last little bit um and then you've got the Bo Horvat line who's getting a little not as not as tough minutes as he was as they were earlier in the season, but they're they're still matching up against top top uh, top lines pretty regularly, and then which which is allowing the, that third line to play against some some of like the the third line and fourth lines of the uh, opposing teams, and they're thriving. They're creating a lot of offense, and even that fourth line has has really embraced that uh, grinded out. Uh, uh, cycle down low and and just <laughs> you just create they're creating chaos and creating chances because of it. So yeah, based off have, having Louis slide in there and and be a little more of a defensive conscience and and allowing Bo Horvat to be a little more 
offensive minded has really, really helped the Canucks. Uh, and they're the. Sean? Sean? So I guess basically from that here, I guess after all of this, how many of the Western Canadian teams, we've done this before, we might have to do this week by week, but as we head into the All-Star, All-Star break, how many Western Canadian teams do you see making the playoffs? I think I, I, I let the cat out of the bag on my prediction earlier on, but uh, I think it's, it's all the Pacific teams. I don't think Winnipeg makes it. Uh, I think that... Um, just, I think that's just how, how it's going to play out. I think all, all, all three of the Vancouver Canucks, Calgary Flames, and Edmonton Oilers will make it. I'm going to stick with what I had before. I, I had the Jets, Canucks, and Oilers making it. I think the Jets will find a way to pick up one of those wild card spots. I will say. Because uh, I can't remember who I predicted last time we did this, but uh, with the current standings, I'm going to say Vancouver, just because on the roll that they're on, is the for sure. Whereas both Edmonton and Calgary, I'm going to say they're going to squeak in, but not by much. And sorry to Winnipeg. Yeah, I think uh, Calgary, Vancouver, and Winnipeg uh, get in. I just I just don't see the the depth pulling through with Edmonton. I uh, I don't remember what my picks were before, before, and I'm sitting here staring at the standings, and I honestly cannot give an opinion because it's just so close, and I have I have no idea. I think just I'm just going to be neutral here and pull a Chris and uh, just say that uh, I'm just going to see what happens. That's just all I'm going to say. <laughs> Not even a wishy-washy answer. That was just a non-answer. Just a total dodge. <laughs> that, uh, that I was... hope everybody has fun. Yeah. I would say that's pulling something else. That's not pulling at me. I I at least have somewhat of an answer. Yeah. Um. Okay. I think. I. I, 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 this is my debate. I, I think Vancouver is in. I think Winnipeg's in. Um, because I think Arizona's in for a fade. I'm not sure. I'm partially debating that either both Alberta teams or saying one of the Alberta teams makes the playoffs, but I'm not sure which one I want to say doesn't. Because I have said that the Oilers are not going to make it, and I do tend to agree with Devin that the Oilers' depth concerns me. But the Flames' consistent play also concerns me. Um, I'm gonna. So this is what I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say two at this point. I'm gonna say Vancouver and Winnipeg for sure. Um, and I'm gonna leave Calgary and Edmonton possibly out, I, which would be interesting. Um, but we'll see. We we may have to revisit this after and keep revisiting this. So don't hold to our, our predictions because right now, if the Canucks did not win against San Jose, they would have been in 19th place in the standings as now they're ninth, uh, if I have this right. Yeah, 
ninth place. If they lost to San Jose, they would have been fifth in the Pacific and 19th in the entire NHL. So really, we have no idea. We just are keeping keeping going here. Um, so we'll... Uh, Gerard Gallant was, I think, the, the news that kind of affects the Pacific Division, both because has the Flames, uh, affects the Flames and the Canucks, uh, is the firing of Gerard Gallant and the hiring of Pete DeBoer uh, for the Golden Knights, which has turned into a very weird team. This is a team I, I have no idea what the Golden Knights are anymore because they seem like the Flames in a lot of ways. One day they're good, another day they're not. One day they're down 4 nothing, and next day they come and catch up. Um, I'll start with Tyler Gallant. Fair? Foul? Was this a good firing? Did... Yeah, foul. I, I mean, I, uh, I guess we've redefined uh, what have you done for me lately in terms of coaching and professional sports. I mean, I don't know. I would have... Uh... You know, if you're if you're any kind of coach out there, you got to be disappointed with that. I mean, you didn't get much, much. Um, I guess thanks for you know a run to the Stanley Cup final the first year, and then another playoff appearance the the, the year after, and they were were darn close. I mean, an overtime goal away from advancing past the first round, and uh, hitting a, a bit of a bumpy stretch in the road here but not out of it by any means and he's sacked I, I, I don't know don't know about that one yeah it was a bit of a, a weird weird uh, decision I'm not sure what uh, what was in it uh, from what I everyone was saying is like they wanted Pete DeBoer and weren't sure he was going to be available yeah it seems that way but why? What, what is what is so special about Pete DeBoer? That's that's what I'd like to know. Maybe they knew he was the best available and didn't want to lose the opportunity. I don't know. The thing that I, caught me really off guard was just considering the San Jose Las Vegas rivalry that has built up over the past little bit. That it immediately went from Gallant fired to DeBoer hired, and it's like, wait a second, this is not the guy that Gallant called a clown. Yeah. Well. <laughs> If there was any coach that was going to be losing their job at this point in the season, my my, my betting money was on Claude Julian, not not Galan. So yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm kind of surprised by it all too. Yeah, but you always have to put the special circumstance there in Montreal. I mean, they're not going to sack a coach unless they have another fr- uh, French speaker to replace him. Claude speaks French. Oh, well, uh, I don't think now, he, now that he's available. <laughs> he speaks it well enough, I think. Yeah, but I don't think. <laughs> Because they, they were mentioning that on Hockey Night in Canada, too, that, uh, that they don't think he... He's from PEI, right? So I'm not sure he's got uh, enough. Yeah. The, we need to have a conversation with Montreal Canadiens fans at one point. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Heidi, Devin? Um. Yeah, like that. That firing was like real. Was like really surprising to me. I didn't think that Knights have played that bad. Um, I've been watching their their stats a little bit just be like just for the sake of I have flurry in my uh, in my hockey pool, so I've been like watching when they've been like I've been seeing the minus ones off my points when uh, flurry keeps losing, uh, which is surprising me there too. Um, but yeah, like. Yeah, they've been a little bit inconsistent, but look how good they were last year. So I'm just really surprised that 
lack of iron so quickly seems so knee jerk on that unless like there's something else going on that we didn't that we don't know about but yeah and considering too that he was gonna he was gonna coach the all-star game too that's the other that's the other like fun fun thing in that uh in this whole uh thing that happened well if you think about it uh you know it was an expansion team uh they they picked the best coach that was available and i mean uh, obviously they had more stock in uh DeBoer than they did Gallant. and when i was listening to brian burke and he was saying that no matter what situation your coach like if you're gm and your your current coach is in um you know you're, you're always having a backup plan you always got to make sure you have a contingency plan if say for instance someone loves uh you know mike babcock then you know, you're going to be starting to pursue him. And it really depends on whether or not Gallant wants to get back into it right away or if he wants to take a little bit of a break. Uh, but from everything that I've heard that, you know, he, he'll he work when he wants to work kind of thing. And, um, yeah, it definitely was surprising. But uh, you gotta you got to give uh, Vegas, you know, maybe a bit of a thumbs up being like, wow, it's, it's ballsy of you. But, you know you got to hope that it pays off. And um, I think the other thing is that since they are under, they're not doing as well as they thought that they would, but you know, you have the NFL coming in next year and they, I don't think they want to lose fans to the NFL. Uh, I think that's a, it's more than just a hockey decision. I think it's a financial decision or a business decision than, uh, than one of just hockey. Uh, I, I just, I, not super. I don't. I want to. I don't want to take too much time on this because I, I do want to talk about Ovechkin here quickly. But is the fact that it's really tough to make a trade is part of the reason why we're seeing coaches move so quickly? I think a little bit of that. Um, also, I think uh, they're realizing that sometimes it's it is a system. system uh, the issue is systematic and not personnel. Plus, you saw, was it? I think it's two out of the last four um, Stanley Cup winners have won because of, well, not because of, but have won after making coaching changes in the middle of the season. Yeah, it's, that still feels a little bit like an anomaly. Um, but to me, I, I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I... Um, I, I still don't know if it was a mistake. Cause it feels to me that Gallant. I I also read that he's he rubs people sometimes the wrong way, um, and you know yeah terrible call, um, but you don't allow that like you don't allow that many. Like that really must have been a that was almost like like I'm not trying to be dramatic here, but that was almost a franchise turning point last year against San Jose where. They probably, you could argue, you could make a legitimate argue, at least the Western Conference Finals, possibly a Stanley Cup for, for Vegas, maybe last year, if they hang on to that lead. Who knows, right? So, yeah. Um, well, that will be interesting. Um, uh, and then we'll, we'll start with Tyler again. Alex Ovechkin uh, moved into 10th place an all-time scoring. He passed Mario Lemieux. Um, 
This is a, I, I think this is a guy. I think when we went back on the players of the decade, I was the one that made the argument he's the best player of the decade. I stand by it. I think you look at his records. Um, but what is Alex Ovechkin's legacy? Hmm. Uh, <laughs> it's always hard to uh, to answer that when a player is still playing. I mean, he's Alex is one of the greatest players of all time. I, I think as far as the past decade goes, I'm still going to put Sidney Crosby ahead of Alex Ovechkin. But um, no one quite like Ovechkin. You know, scores lots, a uh, very skilled player, but also physical and tough and durable and 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 intimidating in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, he just makes that shot look so easy. Uh, he he is he is one of a kind. Um, doesn't look like he's going to be slowing down anytime soon either. So, um, I don't know. There's no really really no other way to put it for me. He's one of the the greatest players of all time. Let me let me throw a question at you before before we move on, Tyler. Um, does Crosby or Ovechkin move into in your mind the top five greatest players who have ever played this game? I think for Ovechkin, uh, another cup would probably be necessary to do that. But um, I think Crosby's there already. Okay. All right. Is Ovechkin the best goal scorer we've seen? Is Ovechkin the best goal scorer we've seen? Um, that's that's a difficult one because now we're we're comparing era to era. I know there's a lot of people that would probably put Mike Bossy up there. Uh, you know, there's there's still Gretzky and some other names as well to to compare. That one's a that one's a little more difficult. I, I again, I think with Ovechkin because of his his physical stature, I, that that to me adds a little more uh, to the greatness equation there. Um, but best goal scorer, is that what you're asking, Sean? Best goal scorer? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think he's got some good competition there still. He's in there, and that's that's where I'm going with that is if he's top two, I think you can make that argument, I think. Mm-hmm. I think you can say it's Gretzky, Gretzky and Ovechkin. Because um, I think there's going to be a, I I think he's going to take a really really good run um, at Gretzky's uh, record, and if he gets even close, how can you keep him out of the top five? Just as far as pure goal scorer, I think you can definitely make the argument that he's right up there. And with the fact that the media, it seems like every time that they have a sit-down interview with them, they ask him that question, like, do you think you can touch this record? Are you going for it? So I, I feel like he's going to be motivated to try and break that record at this point if he can. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't put him as number one yet, but there's definitely an argument to be made in the next couple of years. Yeah, it's pure, pure, he's a pure goal scorer. The thing is, is that what sets him apart from, I think, other goal scorers is that, like, when he sets up on that power play, everybody knows what's going to happen. Everybody knows that he's going to take that uh, one tee right at the top of the circle, and it goes in a uh, good majority of the friggin' time. And um, I, I'd say he's, he's definitely up there. Uh, it's it's gonna be hard as far as like top five players of all time. It's gonna be hard to really 
you know, push out, uh, you know, whatever everybody has their own individual top five. But, um, you know, he's definitely top top eight all time, I think. Um, but the, the one thing I do want to I do want to say is that I don't think that he's being like, you know, as far as he's getting a lot of media attention towards this. And, you know, they're, they're, obviously we're having this conversation about it, but I don't think we are actually comprehending how good of a pure goal scorer he is and understanding what we're watching um looking back at it you know maybe 10 years from now he'll be up on a pedestal i think for uh that release and that shot um but i I just i just don't think that we're actually appreciating how good he is and maybe maybe it's the russian kind of uh goggles that us have had in the past uh us being north america but it's uh it's definitely it's i just think that we're we're watching something very special and i don't think you know where we're really comprehending it yeah to to expand on that with with you dev um the way uh, going on uh, the, the ovechkin power play it's called the ov spot for a reason now um, Canucks fans have been clamoring that Besser can can be there and do that, but he doesn't. Um, what Ovi does really well is he's always on the move. He's always trying to find that that passing lane and knowing where the soft spot is to create where he's make he's got a he's got a shot and he just loads it up and blasts it. So yeah, I think. I, I agree with you, Dev. I don't think we, I don't think we, as a, as a, as everyone with hockey, know, um, are, are really comprehending and understanding how good of a, a player and goal scorer he 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 has been in his career and, and is currently. Heidi, I I have nothing to really add add on this, like. Obi's a great player, and uh, as as I honestly can't remember who said it. Like we are watching, like we are watching something special happening with him, and how how great of a player he is. And also, Obi's got a great personality too. Like all those like photos and videos of him with like the cup and just in general, like that stuff's all super cool too. Um, I I. I can probably say this as the oldest person on the podcast because I've seen Mike Bossy. I've seen Guy Lafleur. Um, I'm trying to, now I feel like a snob. I don't mean that in that way. Um, but I, I think I, I, to me, it is, Im, it is impossible to make an argument that it's not Alex Ovechkin. Like if you even look at his stats, he played even in the dead puck era, a little bit in the dead puck era, a little bit after. But the lowest he has four goals in his career, and even when he played with Barry Trotz, is 32. Wayne Gretzky, while we admire him for everything, he had he was not that he he with the Kings. I mean, yeah, he had some shortened years and stuff like that. But um, there's. During the end of his career, he was more about passing than he was about goal scoring. Um, Bossy, yeah, he had, I mean, he flew down, both him and Guy Lafleur were able to fly down the line and fire the puck in. Um, but they were just not the same presence that Alex Ovechkin was. Like, um, 
I mean, you even look back to that goal he had against Columbus a number of years ago, where he like physically took down the defenseman. You you rarely would see a Bossy, a Curry, a Lafleur do do some of the things that Ovechkin would do to score. I to me uh, to me I don't I I think. I don't even. I think it's a ridiculous argument. I think it's so clear that Alex Ovechkin is the best goal scorer we've ever seen. Um, like, um, and I, I think that there is a legitimate argument to put Alex Ovechkin in the top five at this point. Um, I think, but um, I agree with Devin. I wonder sometimes if we put this in, if we have our North American goggles. I mean, I'm happy to like in a lot of ways. I love Sidney Crosby, but what is Crosby done that Ovechkin hasn't done other than win two cups? There's the uh, international accomplishments as well. I don't know if that's kind of going beyond the scope of the discussion here, but uh, Crosby has the edge there as well. Hmm. Has Ovechkin won a heart? Trying to remember now. No. So there we go. I think Crosby's got a little more of the 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 accolades, and that's the the fun debate about this. But in terms of just in, I I would still take Crosby over Ovechkin on my, if I'm starting a team. Ovechkin's won three hearts. Um, what? He won three. He won oh eight, oh nine, and thirteen. He's won three Lindsay's oh okay. eight, oh nine, and ten. Um, he's won three Rocket Richards. Yeah, I just, it, it, it's a really good discussion. He's definitely top 10 for sure. Um, top eight, as Devin said, I think is, is a safe bet as well. Top five, I think you start getting into era issues and, and all that. So, um, but he's definitely up there for sure. Well, I think, yeah, as far as getting, you know, if you're going to start a team, you want a Crosby because he's a better uh, 20-foot player. Um, and he, he's, he's a center. And, you know, Ovi can play center, but he's mostly mostly left winger, right? So, and, yeah, sorry. And, and kind of jumping around here, but, okay, if, if he's top five, who do you take out of your top five? You know, you have Gordy, you have Lemieux, you have um, uh, Gretzky, um, you know, like he... It's it's hard to you know say oh he's top five but who who do you take out and you know once again going into uh, era you know um, difficulties in trying to figure out you know who was better at what time and you know if he would like I think it's safe to say that if Ovi played back in the day you know he'd be a great player too um, of uh, you know the Gretzky era. Um, or even back to the Broad Street Bullets because of that physicality. But, yeah, sorry, I'm kind of jumping all over the place here. But, yeah, I, I think it's it's also, you know, who do you take out uh, of your top five to to really make him, uh, you know, that, that great of a, uh, of a player? Uh, I, oh, yeah. It is, it's a very tough tough decision where you have, what, you, what you'd have to do there. So, um I haven't done enough thought and, and research onto who could possibly take out, but I think it's it's definitely worth a discussion maybe in the summer or something like that. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's leave it there. Um, we'll we'll be back next week for more discussion. Uh, Tyler, how do we follow you? 
I'm on Twitter at T Noble, T N O B L E. Heidi? Uh, I'm on Twitter and all social medias at Hide Amazeballs, H E I D Amazeballs. Chris? I'm on all social media at Schneids, S C H N E I D Z. Sean? I am Beardy Canuck03 on Twitter. And Devin, who we need to get followers to. <laughs> you do. And you guys know who my number one is uh, all time from my Twitter handle, which is uh, GordHow09. Sorry, GordHow09 for Tyler. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate that. <laughs> and I am K E B O L E. And we will talk to you all soon. Bye for now. I don't know. No, they're saying boorns. Boorns. Are you saying boorns? I was saying boorns. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours. The energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois.